What's up, Internet? It's your boy, Corey, from the Hardwood Herald. We are back with another episode of Nothing But Netflix on the Underdog Podcast Network. We have an awesome movie to do today. This is one of my favorite comedies and possibly one of my favorite basketball films. We are going to break down Matt Stone and Trey Parker's Basketball with Larry Villains, our first return guest. Larry, what's going on? What's going on, Corey? We... Larry uh, said that he will do any movie that I ask him to do. His only request is that he shoddies basketball. Yeah, it's the only one I wanted to do. I, or, I mean, you know, the one that I was itching for. I love this goddamn movie. It's so good. There's, there's a lot to, uh, to talk about in this film. Uh, so let's get started by reading the IMDb synopsis, as we always do. Two childhood friends are pro athletes of a national sport called basketball, a hybrid of baseball and basketball, and must deal with a greedy businessman scheming against their team. Feel like they leave a lot out there. However, is this a baseball movie, a basketball movie, or is it both? Or none? It's got, I think it's, it'd be more of a basketball movie. I mean, yeah, it has bases and, and you know, use those to score and use some verbiage from baseball but i mean there's no there's no bat there's no there's no baseball skill involved it's all basketball skill you know to to hit a home run behind the meatballs doesn't mean uh, anything to do with with the bat or ball or pitcher so i I, you gotta go basketball yeah that that's kind of my feeling too which is why i feel comfortable uh doing it for the pot nice let's let's uh let's get into the movie a little bit so nothing but bat flips is the new podcast for there we go you see how baseball movies. <laughs> I, I like it. Be, that would be pretty good. And uh, maybe and we cover this again, movie. and then we argue that it's a baseball movie. <laughs> you see, you see how we do this, people. <laughs> suckers, just complete suckers. Uh, opening scene to to add to maybe the, the baseball setting of this. We see Reggie Jackson, and <laughs> it's a scene where Coop <laughs> is, you know, at this game. He's at the the famous Reggie Jackson game, um, and. It, you know, the opening sequence is all about the purity of sports. You know, how sports started as one thing about this, you know, just illustrious competition um, for the sake of team and became, you know, excessive celebrations, football dances, um, to the point that the NFL had to, you know, started fining players for over-celebrating, you know, selfish athletes, selfish owners, teams moving, the Lakers going to L.A. when there aren't any lakes, the Jazz going to Utah where there is no music. Um, And uh, it kind of just takes us on a journey to where we think it's going to kind of be this movie that's a little serious and then they, they, they bring the jokes in. But at the heart of it, it is a movie about the purity of sport. That's it. Is that you know the entire point of it is that everyone as a chi- as a child loving sports, you know when you're sitting there practicing you know free throws or ridiculous three point shots in, you know in your driveway or something, you're not you're not sitting there picturing what kind of shoe deal or contract you're going to sign or anything like that. You're picturing that you're you're going to hit the buzzer beater to win the game. So at the at the purity of a, ch- a child growing up, you love the game itself, and then money gets involved as you grow up, and politics of the of the sport and everything like that. So it's really the monetization that gets involved, where you know there's a way to make money in this, and that changes everything. It really does, 
And, uh, you know, it, you look back when you're a kid and that's all you cared about, like you said. And in the scene, Coop says to Reamer, one day I'm going to be a big sports star. <laughs> Cut scene, Coop peeing in the bushes. One day I'm going to open a big sports bar. And we're off. <laughs> we're just off. And we, this, is, this is the South Park coming out. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, everyone has, a, as a kid, I mean, I remember my guidance counselor when I was in school. She did like a uh, one of those tests that, like, you you know, personality tests to decide what kind of jobs that can possibly fit you in the future. And like, with every kid, like, I'm going to say what seventy percent of the guys all wrote down they wanted to be, be a professional athlete when they grow up. Yeah. And then she's like, "That's great." Unfortunately, nobody's a professional athlete from this school. Start worrying about something else. <laughs> and that was real. That you know, that hit real. So that's what it is. Everybody has that idea. They want to be a professional athlete or something like that growing up. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're 30 or however old they are in the movie, still living off high school. That is hilarious. And your guidance counselor definitely deserves an award. <laughs> it, it hurt. It hurt. But I feel like a lot of us, including myself, needed to hear it. Um, so Coop and Reamer show up to uh, a party as the losers who haven't changed since high school. Um, you know, they're going around seeing all of their, their old high school compadres and they just kind of realize how everybody's grown and they haven't. And they, they get that same dose of reality. Um, so eventually, you know, they're talking about leaving we can go into, you know, the scene in the girl's mom's bedroom <laughs> if we want. Um, and uh, that kind of becomes our, our first psych out after uh, Reamer has a little uh, scrummaging through uh, the mom's drawer. But they eventually go in the backyard and are just shooting around and are like, what are we going to do with our lives? All of these people have <laughs> moved on. And they're like, well, we're pretty good at basketball unless we have to move around in any capacity and right. do anything except for shoot. And uh, it's at that point, as they're going through their existential crisis, where they're challenged to a two-on-two um, by these preppy dudes. And one of the guys is actually, like, the tall guy. His name's Keith Gibbs. He was, oddly enough, a 90s hoop movie regular. He appeared in Celtic Pride blue chips american history x and the air up there as a, as he was your go-to basketball what the expert. hell was he in the air up there there's like three white people in that movie <laughs> he was in the air up there um so that's a little fun fact about uh old keith gibbs you're thinking but of kevin bacon there, there, he, he was a college ball player so he, he could ball for real uh, they they challenged him to a two-on-two -two, but instead since rimmer and coop as they mentioned absolutely cannot do anything athletic they challenged them to a game that they picked up in the hood and no it's not like horse i mean i i love it i don't know i, I feel like i still do this with my friends now like you know at a backyard barbecue or something like that or a backyard birthday party for one of my friend's kids like we'll get a ball and all of a sudden we made up an entire game of rules as we go and like little by little just add rules and again it's that, that purity of being a kid and just creating competition out of nothing yeah it's it's so good because it, again like as dumb and silly as this movie is it really does hammer home the point like hey sports are a thing that you're supposed to do for the love of the game not for yeah. all the extra outside bullshit um 
so they they're like you said they're making up rules as they go along um behind the meatballs a home run even when they win the game they still realize they're losers (laughs) (laughs) and uh it, it gives us one of i think your favorite lines that you quote more than almost any other movie which is first we get jobs then we get the khakis then we get the chicks <laughs> that's the science it's it's science i feel like that's something else that uh your guidance counselor should be telling kids <laughs> right true <laughs> um so after the game though they realize they're kind of onto something they start taking it a little bit more seriously um they're in the you know in their driveway making up rules and enter Kenny, AKA squeak, who's there to cut their gas off. <laughs> um, and uh, they challenge Kenny saying, Hey, you can turn our gas off. If you can make this shot, doesn't go their way or it doesn't go Kenny's way. He's got to go fetch the ball. Long story short, Kenny loses his job. Now he's got to move into the boys. Lisa a part of the team. And that's all that matters. Um, back to that. I think, uh, you know, Kenny Squeak plays the guy who, that group of friends that unfortunately gets dogged on all the time. I mean, it sucks, but it's a realistic scenario that happens in a lot of groups. So he's playing that character, but he's part of the group. 100%. And that's all that matters because he just wants to be a part of something. So now that they have a squad, they got their threes, they start running neighborhood tournaments. Eventually they're approached by Mr. Denslow to make the league official. He's like this fictitious billionaire. He wants to buy the league and cut out all of the bullshit that goes on in sports and kind of create a league where anybody could play. You could be out of shape. You could be down and out. It doesn't matter. As long as you got that money jump shot, you can be a part of something real. Um, you know, teams aren't allowed to move. Players aren't allowed to get traded. Everybody makes the same amount of, same amount of money. On its surface, it seems like this perfect idea. Um to hold on to what basketball was created for. And as we'll see at, you know, at different parts of the movie, there are challenges in keeping it like that. But now that we're getting to the part where basketball is actually a real thing, we made it to the National Basketball League. Let's break down some of the rules. Because I feel like they vaguely go over the rules, like sporadically through the film, but they never just lay them out for you in in one spot. So there are two teams, three players each. We have a half-court setup, free-throw line's a single, top of the key's a double, three-point line's a triple, behind the meatballs, or from, you know, Steph, Dame, Trey range, is a home run. Um, there are two closer squares, which are bunts. Now, a bunt does not put a runner on base, but it does advance a runner, and it also counts as an out, so you're sacrificing a little there. Uh, whatever shot is hit, the base runner takes that many bases. So if there is a man on second and the shooter hits a single, the runner on second goes to third. A missed shot is an out. Double plays can be made on a tip off a rebound. But if the offense gets a tip in off a missed tip in, they get the value of the original shot. There's no shooting from the same place twice. And on defense, one player goes for psych outs. What is the best psych out in the film? Um, 
it might be. I, I really love the the Reamer uh, showing the wife in, in the on the jersey when he's got. You know, he he opens up half a jersey and it's showing the guy's wife and <laughs> his wife naked and opens up the other half and he's behind her. Yeah, that one's really that one. That I was going back and forth between that one and uh, at one point, and it's really dark. <laughs> Squeak, Squeak reads um, like a card uh, that Coop and Reamer give him to this one dude asking him if his mom's deaf. <laughs> the guy says, no, she's dead. Squeak continues reading and says, guess that's why she didn't move. <laughs> and this is why I've argued that basketball has to be on the Mount Rushmore of trash talking movies. Oh yeah. I, you can't even make this movie today, right? Oh, not a chance. Like anywhere, like you can't put it on anywhere. Like you're not straight to HBO or something like that. Not in theaters. Not on Netflix. Anywhere. No, this is an independent thing that you have to launch on your own platform, and even then, whatever video service is hosting it, probably taking it down. Um, <laughs> right. Now, the only reason it would get made is because Matt Stone and Trey Parker have the with them that they're allowed to push. Yeah, the with them for sure. But. You know, we'll get into we'll get into remake stuff later on in the pod as we usually do. Let's be patient there. Our first cameo, and is, is real big fish. Insane. And, uh, what a like, random thing. Well, you got to remember that, like in this era in the '90s movies, like ska was like the go-to like music for some reason <laughs> for like white like comedic comedy. Um, you know, like even less than Jake got the they got the gig in Good Burger. For whatever reason, Scott really hit around that time. It was such a random cameo, but I guess that's like when you're because it's not like Matt Stone and Trey Parker are what they were at this point when they made the movie. So right. they were probably just friends with these dudes or just really like their band, whatever the case was. And sure, the, the movie studio. There's like, so many damn cameos in this movie that I don't know how they got the budget for this. It's there's so many cameos and. I'll tell you exactly how they, what the budget situation. <laughs> so uh, the other cameo, and I, it's not so much their cameo because they have multiple scenes in the film is Al Michaels and Bob Costas as the announcers. Right. And Al, Al Michaels hates Matt Stone. Oh, yeah. That's a big story. So at, at one point Costas and Al Michaels are filming the, the movie. They realize that this movie is going to be atrocious. <laughs> and they they're kind of messing around they only have a few more scenes and they're just like let's just get it done costas is like hey at least we got a good paycheck out of it <laughs> al michael says what do you mean by that and costas goes on to explain to him that he's getting 50 grand for the film a lot back then and al michaels realizes he's only getting 15 grand for the film <laughs> he's not happy I don't know how the hell did they negotiate that? Who did negotiate for them? Like the, the studio was it? Them? I feel like Matt Stone and Trey Parker just did everything. I right, they might have just. It might have been them just calling up and doing it. But I like how did like? Can you imagine like ESPN allowing people to be involved in a movie like this? Because I mean, Kenny Mayne is in it. Dan Patrick's in it. Like you're covering. Right. Well, I mean, just the ESPN or Dale Earnhardt rather. Uh, right. Not Dale Earnhardt. But at least, you know, he's representing himself just collecting yeah. a check. Like, ESPN would never let one of its got one of their uh, people in a movie like this. Never. <laughs> Not, I, I don't think anybody knew what, this, what was happening. 
No, no and like, yeah, that, blank check. that's what it's too. And like, I don't think like, there's no way Al Michaels and Jim Nance were on the same uh, broadcast team at that time or same network. So, I mean, at the time they had to, there's no way, how did they negotiate that? They would never allow that today. No, no. There's a lot of stuff that goes into the making of this movie that makes it really difficult to, to replicate. So the first official game, we see Coop blow the game as he misses because in the Denslow Cup, he is watching Denslow choke on a hot dog. He doesn't know that. He thinks he's just choking. And we go to the locker room and... Undozen egg night, nonetheless. Undozen egg night, nonetheless. And you see, like, the subtleties that make this movie so great where, you know, the, the beers are wearing championship loser shirts and hats in the <laughs> locker room as they're getting interviewed. <laughs> and it's just little clever anecdotes like that that really just make this film hit yeah just little things that everybody knows and just being able to tie it into uh sports jokes at the same time it's so damn funny the tag's still on them dangling off right and getting post-game interviews with the players who just lost the game just lost the big one like squeak wants to get interviewed nobody wants to interview (laughs) right really really good stuff and so once denslow dies things start getting weird because as we mentioned the point of the the league for Coop and Denslow was to maintain the purity of the sport. Um, but once he dies, Coop starts getting pressure f- to expand the game um, and make it like every other sport where players can be traded. You can have clothing lines and endorsements and all of the things that, you know, may ruin the game for a lot of people. And he has to go through this internal battle with himself about it because he's getting pressure from Reber, who's his best friend. Uh, after Reamer is kind of conned by Baxter Kane, and it gives us my favorite uh, quote from the film, which we hear twice, where Kane asks Reamer, do you think Shaq got rich playing in Orlando? <laughs> and he got rich playing in college. Everyone knows that. Everybody knows that. <laughs> um, as much as also, he made playing in college? <laughs> like, Also another great cameo. Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Just sitting there. <laughs> Just chilling in the glass, like just the again the budget for this. They had Kareem, to do. do you think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had any idea what was going on? Like, why is this happening? None. I feel like the way that all of these cameos are working is the same way that I just paid Eddie Curry to do an intro for <laughs> right. They're like morning show, morning yeah. wood. <laughs> just he's got to be like, all right, I'm gonna read this, collect the check. Get do in, you get think? Out. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has a clue that he's in this movie. Like, do you think he's ever seen it? Um, Kareem is very very smart, so he definitely remembers it. Has he ever seen it? That's debatable. Well, I think he is very smart, and I think that's why he wouldn't watch this movie. Correct. Like, yeah, absolutely not, no. <laughs> so, uh, Baxter blackmails Coop. Um, try, he's real good movie villain. Really, really up there. Uh, you miss a good classic movie villain. I feel like we're not getting like the real classic ones uh, anymore. But he's he's blackmailing him to throw the Denslow Cup because if Coop doesn't win the Denslow Cup, then he loses ownership of the team, which Denslow gave him in his will. So Baxter Kane ends up blackmailing him. Um, after learning that the clothing line that Coop was pressured to start, which was funding the Dream Come True Foundation, was being run by a sweatshop, little kids 
Make a wish kid jokes. Can you imagine someone making make a wish kid jokes? Oh, eight, eight. <laughs> the make a and the make a wish kid stuff. I mean, like they're just going as far as they possibly can. <laughs> Getting this kid hammered at the bar. Like when they're in the hospital, they pull the cord out and he flatlines. They're doing like <laughs> they're just going as far as they possibly can. What did Dark. Say? What <laughs> what was the line that uh, one of the the people say that the kids, the nurses says that he smells like they say, he's, the kid smells like Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> so good for anybody who doesn't know Robert Downey Jr. Before Iron Man, not the most stellar reputation leading in. Not, not a good reputation. No, wish. I mean, it, make a wish kid jokes. That's insane. Like you can't do that today at all. Come in when you're close. And, uh, I mean, Jenny McCarthy too, man, we haven't brought her up yet. And Yasmin Bleef, who was huge at the time. Um, the foundation is run by Jenna, played by her. And because Coop has the hots for her, he tries to build a relationship with the Make-A-Wish kid, Joey. Who is the kid who they go on, get drunk, and, you know, just complete shenanigans with the entire time. Um, also, some of the requests that Joey has for his, his Make-A-Wish, his dream come true. Just big game hunting. <laughs> so random. It just. I want to know how many ideas they went through before they settled on like those two or three that they actually said in the movie. Yeah, I, I wonder what the process for the movie was for making the movie is like because, you know, they released the documentary where they create the South Park episodes. Yeah, them, like they do it week by week, so I guess they could stay up on current events and whatnot. I wonder what the writing process for this movie was like. If this yeah. was an idea they had forever and they really patiently worked on it, or they literally were pitched the idea, were given a check, and were like, "Okay, we'll figure it out." Pretty much. What was they haven't done a movie in a long time, right? What was the last movie they did? Was it was it World uh, World Police or whatever it is? I think so. I think it was Team America. Um, yeah. And then they, you know, they did Book of Mormon after that, which ah, uh, right, 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 right. Which not a movie, but you know, Broadway show that that worked out. Worked out pretty okay. It was great. I, it and, I recommend. Uh, I saw really it. No, you saw it. Hopefully, one day I'll be allowed to. <laughs> after after the world returns to normal. Um, but yeah, the Joey scenes just gold because in typical fashion they take it way too far. But Joey ultimately saves the day because Coop has to hit the last shoot the last home run in the film and Lazy Boy his basketball that he makes out of an actual lazy boy or a basketball, <laughs> sorry, that he makes out of an actual lazy boy deflates right there on the spot. And Joey made his own basketball. So Joey, the unsung hero of the, of the movie and Coop ultimately has that sports moment, that Reggie Jackson sports moment, that everybody dreams of as a kid, hitting the game-winning homer, win the Denzel Cup, win the big game, get the championship, and uh, and you know get that happy ending that everybody dreams of as a kid. Yeah, I mean, I that's that's why you play, and it, you know it was a recreation of something that him and Reamer were doing in the driveway when basketball was a small game. So to be able to do that, you know, those are the moments you dream for and you work towards. So when you're actually, you know, in the big moment and that happens, it, it comes, it just goes back to you being a little kid. And what's most important is your passion for the game, the genuineness of you loving the game. Cause I think when you're at, when you're actually playing the game, 
you're playing because you love it. It's not because of everything else. Right. And that's the reason that you wake up at 6 a.m. every Sunday to play flag football. But, right. And, I mean, it's like Tom Brady right now. I promise you Tom Brady didn't go to Tampa so he can get more money. It's all he loves this goddamn game. He wants to show what he can do, you know, without Belichick. I mean, LeBron James, he doesn't need the money from basketball anymore. It's not about that anymore. It's no. about just he loves the game. So that's you know, like at the end of the, at the core, that's what's most important. Right. He's he's just trying to catch that that ghost. That's that's where he's at at this point. Right. Um, and it's crazy because this movie is just a big parody of sports the entire time. Yeah. It's a micro. That's it. It's a micro. It's a joke movie, but it's a microcosm of re- really exists. Like, this is basically, in my opinion, where like Anthony Davis is. It's the difference where Anthony Davis he cares about money and all the outside stuff right now. His focus not entirely is on winning a championship. Kind of a rumor gets to. So at the end of the day, you know, all that stuff is good. But when you're young, but temporarily, it only lasts for so long. That outside stuff, building your own brand. Building, you know, what's all about you, you, you. At the end of the day, what drives the team is you buying in, and that success is what makes everybody survive. Hundred percent. Um, so now to finish it off, we're gonna remake the movie 2020. We've already discussed that this would be a hard movie to get done, but because Matt Stone and Trey Parker are directing it, I feel like you can get away with it. Um, do you have any, you know, your cast in mind, or you want me to go first? Uh, I got my cast. Uh, I want to come up with two, but I got my cast. I think the only way you're getting this movie made today is Coop has to be Seth Rogen. Okay. I think James Franco has to be Reamer. James Franco (laughs) would absolutely be the, you know, buying into Superstar and everything like that. And Jay Baruchel is going to be squeak. Love it. It's It's the only way I think that's. I think you can do it. It's going to be a different movie for sure, but sure. I think that's the only way you do it. But Seth Rogen can he can play that genuine character. I think that's the way to do it. See, I went in a fair, a pretty different direction. Okay, but, but I will say that my squeak does fit in with the crew. I I picked Michael Sarah as squeak. All right, but here's who I got for Coop and Reamer: Jesus and Marrow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. Jesus and Marrow, I feel like it's time for those dudes to star in a film. Yeah, they, those, I, I love that. They're great. They have, they have the chemistry to make it work. You know, they know each other inside and out. They could hit all of those ticks that you want them to hit. Their comedy feels like it goes too far. It's a different kind of too far. But, yeah. but they're not afraid to go that too far. And it's definitely a different movie. I think they give it a different edge, um, but I think that the cast of both of these films works yeah, I, in different ways. I think so too. I think you know. I think you got to find a, a pairing. You know, that pairing of people like uh, a Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. Maybe not today, but you yeah, know, maybe yeah. ten years ago. But like that, you got to find that pairing that you've seen them before. So maybe like a Jordan uh, Hill and Channing Tatum or something like that, and right. uh, see what would happen in that regard. I think you need to start there, and. Uh, yeah, I, and it's got to be – it's going to be rough to fit <laughs> into today's world. It is. Everything is too PC. Some for the good, some for the worse probably. Um, hopefully one day we can find some kind of middle ground so we can enjoy comedy like this once again. 
Um, just make com- I just want to see comedy movies. I mean, it's not everything's meant to be offensive. That's a different conversation. But at the end of the day, you know, they made a lot of jokes around here, but it was all meant to be no harm. Yeah, and uh, it's part of the the reason the movie works because sometimes with comedy, you got to push the boundaries a little bit, and yeah. you're gonna cross some lines. You're gonna offend some people, but that's why it's not a serious movie. It, it's a comedy, and it's meant to poke fun. And sometimes you're gonna hit, sometimes you're gonna miss. I, you know, there's there's different audiences for a film like this. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're if you're walking into a Matt Stone and Trey Parker movie in the first place, you, you should, know you know it's coming. You should know what you're getting yourself into. All right, this was uh this was a fun one. I, again, it's this is a movie that everyone should see if you're a fan of comedy. Yeah, I mean this movie. This movie's great. I, I love this movie. There's so many goddamn one-liners in this movie. It, it I, I, I don't know. I love this movie. It's really great. I think everyone should see it if they're a sports fan because again, it's the purity of sport. It's the, it's the, it's what happens when you grow up and it's not about just the game anymore and all the outside uh, and noise gets involved. So it's the purity. It's the purity of sports to the core, and then uh, you know, questioning that. Yeah. Well said. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of Nothing But Netflix. Larry, thanks for joining. You'll be hearing from Larry again. Um, make sure to check out. <laughs> make sure to check out at 9 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, live on Twitter, uh, the Hardwood Herald YouTube, and Twitch. Morningwood, it's our morning NBA show where we're discussing everything going on in the bubble. We're doing it every morning for a half hour. Um, and until then, We'll see you next time. Peace, guys.